you allow it to just push the drama of the play forward, push the conflict of the play forward. Welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thank you all for tuning back in to another episode. We're, we're delving into a new playwright, but kind of a similar uh, selection process was undergone to, to pick up this play. Yeah, this is episode two of season six. So if you are uh, early in season six with us, then welcome to. Um, as you know, we are doing kind of more recent Pulitzer Prize winners as kind of the new way that we're opening seasons. We had a great run with Lynn Nottage, but uh, there's lots of playwrights to read. So we're kind of, we're doing other playwrights. And so we've been looking at early Pulitzer, or recent Pulitzer Prize winners. And for the second episode of the season, we just felt like, why why would we leave the Pulitzer Prize list if we didn't have to? There's so many amazing <laughs> plays and playwrights on that list. So just like last week, this week we are looking at a Pulitzer Prize winner. We're talking about Anna in the Tropics by Nilo Cruz. Yeah, Anna in the Tropics. I, I think I read this play for the first time in like college in my one of my 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 art history or theater art history classes or history of theory theater classes. Certainly one that makes it into a lot of anthologies because it is such a powerhouse play. Um, so so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's it's a it's a great script to be talking about. A lot of great kind of historical and character and literature elements woven into it. Yeah, really poetic, really great characters. I think it's going to be an awesome conversation. Um, and it, this is one of those plays that if you're somebody who loves theater and the theater community, you you really ought to read. You know, there, there's some great plays. I, I've mentioned before that when I graduated high school, I had my high school theater director sort of give me a list of plays I had to read to prepare to go on and study theater. And this was, sure enough, one of those plays on the list. So I, I read it as, uh, graduating senior in high school for the first time, and uh, I've had it around since then. I just love love Anna and the Tropics. I'm very excited to talk about it. And it's fun to be on Nilo Cruz as a playwright. You know, it's season six, and we're still coming to new playwrights. And probably for the whole life of the podcast, we will say it's season blank, and we're still coming to new playwrights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, before we jump into the conversation around Anna in the Tropics, I do want to take just a second and thank all of our patrons over on patreon.com slash podcast. Thank you all so much for becoming patrons over there. Uh, for those of you who uh, listen to the show a lot, you've probably heard this before, but uh, we love doing this show. It's a, it's a great time. We love getting to have these conversations with each other and with all of you out there in podcast land. Um, unfortunately, it's not a free endeavor. There are uh, a number of costs associated with running the show. So we uh, have kind of kicked it out to the community and y'all have responded awesomely. Thank you to all the patrons who've done so. If you're looking for a way to help out the No Script community, head on over to patreon.com slash no script podcast. You'll see a number of different tiers over there. And the lowest level is just $1 at that $1 amount. That's $12 over the course of a year. Uh, you're helping out the podcast a whole lot just at that $1 amount. At at the, the $5 amount, we will say your name as a producer on the podcast at some point or another, usually at the top of the season. That tends to be where we talk about it. Um, so, so if you're looking for a way to help us out, looking for a way to become involved in the NoScript community, head on over to patreon.com slash NoScript podcast, and we will see you over there. 
Thank you all who have chosen to support the show. It means a great deal to us. And now, back to the script. Here we go. All right, so the context, when we come to a new playwright to the podcast, we typically do a little bit of context about the playwright as well as the script. So Neil Cruz is a Cuban-American playwright. He is an immigrant. His family emigrated from Cuba when he was young. His parents uh, were... um, pretty outspoken opponents of the Castro regime. In fact, his father was jailed at one point for his opposition to the Castro regime. They came to America. He, you know, he grows up, becomes a playwright, studies under Maria Irene Fornes, who's a playwright we've talked about before and who I'm sure we will talk about again. As a playwright, Cruz has been produced by, I mean, places that you are definitely going to recognize. The Public Theater, the Oregon Shakespeare Th- Festival, uh, South Coast Rep, the New Theater. He's a New Dramatists alumni. He is also the first Latino playwright to win the Pulitzer Prize for drama for this script. That was 2003 when Anna in the, Anna in the Tropics was nominated. And that year, Edward Albee was also nominated for The Goat or Who is Sylvia. And it was it's sort of an underdog story. We, you know, I went back and read some of the news articles and the releases and stuff when it all came out. And it was not widely expected to win that year when there's a play by Edward Albee up, also nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, but Milo Cruz and Anna in the Tropics pulled it out and won the Pulitzer Prize in 2003. So the the play itself was commissioned. It was originally produced by the New Theater in Miami. Um, and then later that year, it, the the more famous production of the show was produced at the McCarter Theater in New Jersey. And that's the production, the famous one with Jimmy Smits and John Ortiz. That production transfers over to Broadway in November of 2003. Then it goes on an American tour, places like the Dallas Theater Center, the Arizona Theater Company, Pasadena, da-da-da-da-da. It, it's got lots of other kind of notable productions like that. The Hampstead Theater, which is a great theater in London. Um, the Classic Theater in San Antonio actually just produced it in 2020, right before shutdown. And then for the first time in season six, we get to talk about LATW, Los Angeles Theater Works, who produce great audio plays, and they have an audio production of this script available for you to purchase. We like to plug them when we can, because especially now when you can't get out and see plays, uh, listening to recordings of plays is at least a way to hear some performances, even though you don't get to see the design and the physicality and the imagery of the acting. You at least get to hear it out loud. So you can purchase an audio recording of this play at latw.org yeah 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 great way to continue uh consuming theater in this in this time of no audiences alas um i'm going to jump into the uh synopsis of the play uh just give you a brief synopsis kind of the big events of the play and what's all going on the play centers on a family in tampa florida uh, in a small town called Ybor City. Um, and actually, that was the original name for the play as it was being workshop before it was renamed to Anna in the Tropics was Ybor City. Um, this family runs a cigar manufacturing facility. It's a very small manufacturing facility by our standards because it was still a kind of a family-owned business. Everyone's hand-rolling the cigars. Um, and this family uh, runs this company. The family itself is made up of Santiago, who is the owner of the cigar factory, um, Cheche, who is his half-brother and partial owner or small, very small part owner of the of the company. There's Ophelia, who is Santiago's wife, and their two daughters, Marella and Conchita. Conchita is married to Palomo, who is one of the workers at the factory as well. And uh, this family uh, 
produces cigars. That's kind of the 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 settings of the of the play is is in uh, 1929 Tampa, Florida. They're making cigars. The other inciting incident of the play is a, a fairly traditional piece that requires a little bit of unwrapping. Um, uh, in in kind of older styled, uh, again hand rolled cigar factories, uh, especially from Cuba, they. Uh, employ a lector who comes and reads to the employees who are making the cigars and they uh, read classics, they read literature, they uh, read it well, read it evocatively. Um, and and uh, their lector, this family's lector, has recently passed away. He has uh, uh, died and they are in need of a new one. And so the, the new person is coming to town and that is the lector in Juan Julian. And uh, he shows up, he is uh, the, the new lector, and he brings uh, Anna Karenina as the book that he is going to read to the factory. Now, there's lots of other things going on in this family. It's a pretty, it's it's a family drama is not a, a incorrect way to put it. Um, the, the big things are Santiago and Ophelia are kind of uh, at odds right now. Santiago is a bit of a compulsive gambler and he's lost a fair deal of money specifically to his half-brother Cheche, who uh, kind of is holding the... Uh, as as uh, collateral to the money he's lost, he wants a greater partnership in the business. Uh, so there's some tension around that and how they're going to resolve this money that Santiago has lost. Cheche uh, wants to uh, modernize the facility. He wants to bring in machinery and and be able to produce more to be able to keep up with the uh, industry that is happening in kind of 1930s. Uh, the 1930s saw a big change in the cigar making industry, industry I found out uh, by reading this play. And uh, and it was moving more towards manufacturing and less, less the uh, kind of uh, smaller owned company with these with these workers who hand rolled all their cigars um and uh, th then the, the issues continue with the family. Conchita and Palomo are, are in a bit of a rocky place in their marriage. Palomo is cheating on Conchita. And uh, and and all of these, these issues kind of begin to come to a head in the reading of Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina that Juan Julian brings. Uh, the uh, Juan Julian and Conchita end up in a, a romantic relationship as a, as a little bit of a, a, a revenge storyline that Conchita has against Palomo for his cheating on her, um, but also uh, a new discovery. As she's as she's listening to Anna Karenina, she identifies a little bit with, with that storyline. You see a number of the characters influenced by the goings-on of these, as well as the uh, eventual kind of tragic line of the story, which is that uh, Cheche has recently lost his wife to a previous lector um, who fell in love with that lector and ran away. And so he's, he's against the lector. Um, obviously, Palomo is against the lector as he eventually figures figures out that his wife is cheating on him with Juan Julian um, and uh, he's against him and the events of the play unfold. The, the, the family unrolls a new cigar to, to try to correct some of their financial uh, distress. And that seems to work pretty well, but in the, in the fervor of, of these changes, all of them kind of moving against Cheche, Cheche takes out his aggression on all lectors and on the, his, his life in general on Juan Julian and shoots him. Uh, the, 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 the play ends with this uh, group uh, after uh, he sh Juan Julian dies from the shooting, by the way, that's an important element. Um, uh, the, the, the family is kind of left in the aftermath of this, um, this murder. Uh, Cheche is nowhere to be seen. We can talk a little bit about uh, what that means for the, uh, for, for the play. Um, 
but the the family tries to kind of pick up the pieces of this this person who briefly came into their lives, came in with this story that meant a lot to all of them, that informed a lot of their path and uh, how best to honor his memory and continue with their uh, their craft and their art uh, of cigar making. Yeah, thanks for that synopsis. There's just so much that goes on in this play. <laughs> yeah. It's a fairly intricate, incredibly layered plot with with all of these characters. I mean, with the with the exception of the guy who runs the rooster fights at the beginning. Yeah, I of the didn't play. talk about him at all. <laughs> Pretty much every. I mean, he's only in the one scene running the fights, which is what they're gambling on. But with the exception of that character, pretty much everybody other every other character has this fairly complicated, really, uh, I think most of them are, I think are fairly moving, um, interesting, really engaging character-based storylines that you follow through. I, I, I'm a huge title person. I've said that before on this podcast. I love titles. I love thinking about titles. I like really good titles, and I, I, I'm pretty snarky about bad titles. Anna in the Tropics is a great title. It is it a really, really is. good title. It's representative yeah. of the show, but also very memorable and very quick. And you, you know, if you don't know anything about the play, of course, you think that Anna maybe is the main character of the play, but that's not true at all, right? It's it's Anna Karenina from the novel, and that is part of the kind of initial... It's not really the design, but the initial imagining of the play is the sharp contrast between the setting of the play, this cigar factory in Tampa, Florida in 1929. It's very hot. They're commenting on the heat all the time. Um, and, and it's very flat, uh, that that's mentioned, and it's kind of the beginnings of a city. And then, of course, the setting of winter in Russia, St. Petersburg society, sort of high class, high culture, very wealthy, highly educated culture. And, and, and that's what this lector brings, is this world that is totally foreign to the setting of the play. Yeah, yeah, it's this it's this great line where I, I think it's Ophelia talking about how special it is that you know in in the heat of the summer we we read about these cooler temperatured places and it's and it's a nice break, but it's also a distinctly different world that they're living in, as you as you said, Jacob. This this other these these other people acting out in ways that they are that they are not familiar with that inspires this uh this this new change for a lot of them they the, the family in a lot of ways are kind of stuck in ruts very, very, and and not just um uh, I'm just going to highlight the stuck part. A lot of them are are, are in this rhythm. I, I think the, the storyline with Conchita and Palomo is really indicative of this. We get pretty quickly that Palomo is cheating on Conchita and their relationship is kind of falling apart. But neither of them really can get a divorce because both of their families would be vehemently against their divorce. So they're kind of stuck in this relationship that's effectively dead. Um, and yet into this, uh, into this uh, moment... Uh, Juan Julian brings this book with this story of of a relationship that is also uh, at least if if not dead at least failing and uh, different actions being taken as a result of it. Yeah, well, obviously Anna Karenina is the story of an adulterous affair, right? Of it's not quite a love triangle; it's actually far more complicated than that with all the different yeah, characters that are affectionate <laughs> domino, about each other maybe. in some yeah. big crazy <laughs> circle. But at the center of the play is Anna Karenina and her husband and her lover. 
And that, you know, very specifically speaks into the situation between that couple and uh, her taking on the lover who is the lector. And, and you know, that's that's the structure of this play, as you just said, is the lector bringing things into these characters' lives. You know, the old quip, there's only two storylines. A person goes on a journey and a stranger comes to town. And this is perhaps... Uh, as perfect an example of a stranger comes to town play as you could ever imagine. I mean, the first scene of the show is the three of the women from the factory waiting on the dock for the new lector to arrive with all the wonderful things he's going to bring into their lives. I mean, this is through and through, (laughs) beginning to end, a stranger comes to town play. Absolutely. And it even has the extra layer of uh, having Cheche being a previous stranger who has come to town. And we're kind of seeing the long the long ramifications of that. I, I mentioned in the synopsis that he's the half Cheche is the half brother of Santiago. And he's a recent addition to the family. He definitely hasn't been with them very long. Um, he's he's been welcomed into the family, but he's still uh, just kind of part way down this 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 road with them. And he's still working out a lot of the a lot of the tension in this play is around Cheche and how he either doesn't feel like he belongs in the family or doesn't feel like they're hearing him very well or his ideas are being honored um, in the family and and just his kind of general uh, angst. As as he's working through the issues of his his, his wife leaving him and all this unfulfillment in the factory, so you got two strangers kind of circling each other and bumping off of each other in in eventually catastrophic ways. Well, that's what's so brilliant about the first scene, right? I just mentioned that the first scene I said is about the women waiting on the dock for the new lecturer to arrive, and what I neglected to say is that it is contrasted by uh, a really sort of rowdy, lively, energetic gambling scene between. Santiago and Cheche as they're betting on rooster fights. And the whole play lives in this world where we only meet um, however many specific characters there are, six to eight characters as actors, but we are left to imagine a whole world of other people around them. Like, there are other workers in the factory that get talked about, and I think we're supposed to imagine are in and around all these scenes. And that's set up right away at the beginning where there's other people, plenty of other people, it's a whole big crowd gambling on the rooster fight. The dock that the women are on is packed with people. The ship is packed people. So we live in this world of only a few people, the characters that we're following, represented by actors. And I guess you could do it with sound design, but also just imagination, filling in all those other gaps. So these guys, these, these uh, you know half-brothers, Santiago and Cheche, betting on the rooster fight, and that is sort of the other main instigator of the play, is that Santiago is losing, he ends up, uh, as you have said in your synopsis, offering his collateral so he can borrow some money from Cheche to keep gambling, part ownership in the factory. And that is, that kind of puts that part of the plot in process while the stranger comes to town, uh, Juan Julian arrives as the new lector to town. And as soon as that scene is over, the next scene is those two things smashing into each other yeah. as the the lector arrives at the factory for his first day of work and Cheche immediately goes, we're not hiring any lectors, goodbye. Get out of here. Right. We, I, right. we don't want any lectors. I'm part owner of the factory. Get out of here. No lectors. And luckily, Ophelia shows up and says, we've, we've already hired him. He came all the <laughs> way over on a boat. 
yeah, he yeah. is going to work here. You're not part owner of the factory. So that, but immediately, the really the first thing that happens after those two conflicts come about is that they crash into each other. Mm-hmm. And then we slowly throughout the, the play kind of see the weaving of how each of them bring something to the family and then our and the reaction they're in. Right. So so we've already mentioned how uh, Cheche uh, brings this idea of manufacturing in and and the, the, the hope that that it will uh, kind of move them into the future, keep them apace with the other companies that are already doing it. Um, but then it, it's kind of it's uh, some of the, the beautiful art of this play is in how the story that Juan Julian brings affects each of the characters. We've already mentioned how it affects Conchita. And, and now uh, the, the part where Santiago ends up kind of uh, reclaiming some of himself, getting himself out of his stuckness is uh, he, he identifies with like a farmer character in the book and, and the kind of eager ambitiousness of that farmer. I think it's Levin, uh, or at least that's the wrote that I, the note that I wrote down. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this Russian name correctly, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he identifies with this character and, and identifying with the character, hearing it both uh, forces him into uh, a kind of a healing conversation with Ophelia and brings out, bring, he, he ends up bringing this new cigar idea that's hopefully going to turn the company around for them, new branding, and, and bring a whole bunch of new life to their manufacturing company. Right. So there there's sort of things happening on two levels with the novel. There's the way that Juan Julian's reading of Anna Karenina affects the characters in a direct way. They hear ideas from the novel. For, for example, um, Conchita choosing to have an affair is in part based on Anna Karenina. She confronts her husband when the story sort of reveals how Anna Karenina feels about having a lover and she knows her husband is cheating on him so she brings all that up and then eventually that leads her to say, well, I want that experience too and it goes on. So there's the way that the novel directly impacts the characters and then there's the way Nilo Cruz has layered pieces of the novel. There are chunks of the novel read aloud in what I imagine has to be the beautiful, incredible reading of a lector, and the way that he has layered those on top of the scenes. For example, late in the play, after Palomo has discovered, he's he discovered it a while ago, but he's decided to do something about the affair with Conchita and the lector. This is the um, this is what Juan Julian reads from Anna Karenina. He says, Anna Karenina's husband did not see anything uh, peculiar or improper in his wife sitting together with Vronsky at a separate table and having a lively conversation with him. But he noticed that the others sitting in the drawing room considered it peculiar and improper, and so it seemed improper to him too. He decided that he must have a conversation with his wife about it. And what follows immediately is Palomo confronting Conchita about the affair that she's having. And I don't think we are meant to believe that those two scenes, Juan Julian reading that passage aloud and the confrontation between Palomo and Conchita happen next to each other like that. It's just dramaturgical layering. It's just how he's chosen to present this piece of Anna Karenina as sort of the introduction to this confrontation scene between Palomo and Conchita. 
Right, right. And and there's it, that that repeats itself throughout many many scenes with many of these readings in it and and then something evocative out of those moments. You almost imagine like hours later as this has been ruminating with with folks, it, it comes up again. Um with the I think there's one exception later on. It's a it's a fairly powerful moment of the script where Juan Julian opens opens the book amongst the scene and reads out a piece of it. So I think that juxtaposition is interesting as well, how you dramaturgically and as a production decide to present the, the pieces from the book uh, versus that one, that one moment where, he, where it's necessary for him to read it within the scene. And because this is such a... It's a complicated play in what we said, that there's so many different characters' storylines occurring simultaneously and tensions heightening between all of them, it, it ends up being a really lovely ensemble play where it's very difficult to pick any person and say, they're the main character, they're the protagonist. And and what happens is that we watch how Juan Julio and the lector bringing Ana Karenina in has these sort of domino ripple effects on all of the things that are going on for all of this family. However, if you had to pick, Jackson, is there some sort of specific central journey that we're on? Is there is there a, a main narrative through? Boy, it, I mean, there's so many good options <laughs> for the answer to that question. Um, uh, there's, there's, I, I think certainly uh, we, we've talked a little bit about these two competing viewpoints in Juan Julian and Cheche, and I wonder if that's, that's that's a, a strong choice, I think, as as you look at them, and also that kind of feeds into uh, another uh, aspect of this, which is it's kind of telling the story of cigar making as well, and of uh, uh, of the the journey away from this kind of small business uh, care over what you're crafting into the manufacturing. Uh, as far as the historical context, from the you know the 20s to the 30s, there was a big change to mechanized production of cigars and. And the loss then, there's a couple scenes in here, the loss of the lector as this uh, traditional figure who valued the workers and the loss comes about because the noise of the machines cannot make such a racket that the lector can't be heard over them. So we we know if uh, part of it is, is a bit of a vernacular knowing of the history of it, but part of it is this tension of traditional... Uh, views and kind of uh, uh, this this older style versus the new that is coming and and the kind of resistance to that and seeing how both of the avatars of those two worldviews when uh, clashing together uh, end up winning or or losing or or something in between of of those things. Yeah, it it, it does seem that the conflict, the tension, the butting of heads between Cheche. And Juan Julian the Lector is is like the central conflict of the play, and you've articulated really well that they not only do they have problems as people, like there's a personal element to it. Cheche's wife ran off with the previous Lector and and such, uh, but there's also this world where they are the representative avatars of. Cheche thinks modernization and progress and Juan Julian thinks these ancient traditions that are still around. I mean, the lector didn't just read novels to the workers like there used to be sort of schedules where the morning was meant for newspaper reading and they would read letters aloud. And then the novel was like this sort of special treat the lector would do at the end of the day. So this tradition of education, 
oral storytelling as as part of it. And it wasn't just in cigar factories. We we know that there were lectors in hat factories too. And uh, Neil Cruz has a nice note at the end about how he imagines that there might have been lectors in like wedding dress factories because of the the nice kind of image tone. So that, so that that conflict between Cheche and Juan Julian are, is also the conflict of modernization, really mechanization, I think is the word we probably want, versus the kind of slow, careful tradition of hand-rolling cigars. And it, it, that, that conflict is so powerful, and it comes to such a, a powerful, a really dramatic, maybe is the better word, final conclusion when Cheche shoots him on stage, just right. walks in and takes him out. Um, but that conflict, to me, it, it it is muddied and mirrored by the story of Conchita and Palomo and Juan Julian and how maybe because that story has so much emotion wrapped up in it and so much stage time, uh, mm-hmm. that story to me also feels like it's kind of one of the major stories of the play. Absolutely. That's 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 the other like strong pick is this like family story of uh, of especially Conchita and and her relationship with Palomo and her relationship with Juan Julian um, and also Morella, though, and her kind of her relationship. She has she has this um, kind of unspoken out loud, at least love for Juan Julian and sees her sister um, uh, falling in love with him as well. And uh, some of the the, the 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 family drama around that, too, because eventually Cheche. Um, so this is the thing that we didn't say in the synopsis of the play, and it, it's a hard thing, which is that it appears to be the day before Cheche kills Juan Julian at the at this sort of party to announce the new cigar line. Uh, after at the conclusion of the party, Cheche, who's been uh, aggressively, let's say, uh, trying to get with. Um, she, he, at at the conclusion of this party, it is strongly implied, I believe, that he rapes her. Um, and we don't see it. We just see him grab her and, and then kind of based on the implication of that and how she acts the next day, it, it is implied strongly that Cheche rapes Marela. And that is obviously very hard and and we're going to talk about it here uh we won't talk about it for very long um just know that it plays a role in the plot if this is a section you'd like to skip ahead on probably hit the 30 second button or whatever a couple times and we'll be done talking about it but just so you know that's kind of where we are now because this is the big step for cheche before he moves on to murder is that he takes he has this action he cannot take back um and and does this to Morela. Right, right. It's it's and if if you're viewing this play as the journey of a family, right? This is the ultimate uh, uh, sin against family. This this action that he takes, he's already. I mean, it, it, he's 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 made the move against the family a couple times, trying to hold a debt over Santiago, trying to bring this modernization that none of the rest of the family wants, and this act against Morela kind of he's he's making aggressive action against Morela, against the family, and the next day just uh, continues to take aggressive action uh, uh, to try to push his worldview into the world. Um, and and I think that's part of the uh, part of the reason why this last scene doesn't have him in it. 
um, the actions he takes cuts him out of the world. We don't we don't hear his story at all after that. After these these two scenes where he commits really horrible acts, we don't we don't have any more honor left for Cheche. <laughs> uh, his his story's done as far as his family is concerned. And we really have no idea what happens to him. I mean, I right. I, I would guess there's a police force in place in Tampa at the time, so I guess he's probably arrested. Um, yeah, he shoots him in front of everyone. Uh, yeah, the whole, there's no, the whole, there's no yeah. getting away from the fact that he murdered this guy in front of him, uh, not even beyond just the rape. And and so uh, I would imagine he's in jail, but I suppose you could imagine that he ran off too. Um, regardless, he's gone. And and it, I, I, I think maybe, I think in my soul somewhere, I, I was hoping for more justice against Cheche for the right. choices that he's made. <laughs> I'd like to know that, that there's... Some something that has happened as a result of those terrible things, but I'm not. That's not in the play. I think we're we're really just left with the family, uh, un, uh, un. They're, they're changed, right? They're altered forever um, by the events of what has occurred. Yeah, and they they ask the kind of compelling question at the end about should we continue reading the story? Should we continue to honor what Juan Julian brought us? Um, should we should we keep reading this? Should we read a different story? Um, how do we remember him well? Um, and I think that also ends up taking us back to this question that the family is facing and that the cigar factory is facing in general. How are we? We're because we know again in like two years this style of cigar making dies out effectively in the Florida area. Um, and so we, we know that they're moving towards this, but how do how do we keep telling the story well? How do we keep honoring what was brought to us, where we come from, what 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 is what is part of our family while still moving forward somehow without this 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 valuable piece of us, this physically in the lector in Juan Julian, but also then then as as a as a more broader social structure, how do we continue to honor where we've come from, the stories that we have, the stories that we want to continue telling. Well, and that's what's so what what is interesting about the play. I, I don't know how you would utilize this in production but at at the very beginning of the play underneath the um, characters underneath the setting um, the costumes descriptions you know all the stuff you usually find from the playwright at the beginning there's a playwright note and it says after 1931 the lectors were removed from the factories and what remained of the cigar rollers consisted of low-paid american workers who operated machines the end of a tradition I don't know how you use that in production, if it's in the program or projected, but I do think that the foreknowledge of it is important for the experience of the play because it. I think what happens in the script is that Cheche is sort of set up from the beginning as the kind of rational, level-headed one, uh, you know, at right away, I mean, in the very first scene, it's certainly not an accident that he's not the one with the gambling problem, right? He is gambling, but he's gambling low amounts of money. He always says he never lends money. He never over gambles when he's drinking. So he knows he's drinking. He has some self-restraint and he's paired with Santiago, who doesn't have any. And then the next scene, he's pretty mistreated by Ophelia, who reacts very badly to learning that her husband has given away part of the factory as collateral. So, and then like, you know, very, 
very shortly after that, he brings in this machine and he says, nobody's going to lose their jobs. We're just going to operate the machines. I just want to make the factory better. And the reaction to that is very negative. And I, so I, I think that he is painted in this sympathetic light and knowing that he's ultimately right that these machines are going to take over the cigar making business, I think is important to Neil Cruz putting him in the place that the, he wants the audience to experience Cheche when Cheche starts to do unforgivable things. The horrible rape, the brutal murder. We as the audience are in this position of seeing a character who has seemed fairly level-headed um, and has seemed even sympathetic in moments of the play make a turn and do things that are now un- unforgivable, unrelatable. And it begins the first time that Morela dresses as Anna Karenina. He really aggressively tries to kiss her. Um, and she's re- really very much rejects him um, and, you know, don't touch me. And she was, she's, does a, you know, it's a very uncomfortable scene. Um, and she escapes that time. But it puts us as the audience in this awkward position and how we handle Cheche. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the initial scene um, and then on through the other scenes, he has, I mean, it's, it's, it's this, this, this cool prop moment, but he has the contract that Santiago uh, wrote him on his shoe. Oh, is um, that, like, that's just great. That's, <laughs> yeah. That is brilliant. That, what, how yeah. awesome is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so desperate to have a stake in this family, to have a place that he feels like he is heard and seen and and of worth. His opinions are of worth. He takes off his shoes that he just uh, says he just bought or just had uh, uh, repolished or something and carves the contract into with a knife into the bottom of his shoe. Now, that, that's both a descriptor of the, the level to which he wants to belong and also just a, a little bit of forewarning of the kind of manicness of this guy, right? Like, he, he put, he's trapping his, his half-brother into this, this, this contract by carving uh, uh, the signature into his shoe. Well, well yeah, right. And it, it's, it's a sort of a two-part thing with the shoe, right? Because Santiago just needs a place to write down how much money he owes him, so he begins carving it into the shoe, which is immediately sort of funny and odd. And then you see how seriously Cheche takes it because immediately he takes his shoe off and for a couple of scenes there he is walking around with his shoe in his hand only wearing one shoe and he gets questions about it from both Ophelia and Santiago and some of the daughters everybody's like what in the heck are you doing wearing one shoe well he takes it very very seriously this opportunity that he has to claim something that's his and it's a sympathetic thing for him to feel right he's he he has come he's found his half brother at last and of course he's been left by his wife which i didn't mention when i was mentioning all the reasons why for the first half of the play Teche is a very sympathetic character uh you know the reason why he hates lectors uh is like it's understandable you know right. i think you the can, audience is meant why. To, right i think the audience <laughs> is meant to like the lector he's a really you know he's a cool guy says a lot of cool stuff he reads really well all the other characters like him so i think we're meant to like Juan Julian but i I think we're also meant to like the the reason why Cheche doesn't like him is really clear. We're all right. on board. Oh, his wife left with the previous lector. I get it. And yet, at least in the actions of the play, I was, you know, kind of surprised that it's Cheche who kills him. I mean, with all the analysis that we've done, it makes a lot of sense. But um, the <laughs> and and the and the writing that it is, it makes a lot of sense. But I was, you know, expecting Palomo to come up and shoot Juan Julian. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm actually very interested in that question, right? I mean, what, why does Cheche shoot the lector? 
Yeah. I, you know, he 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 already has this terrible thing that he does to Marela. And he could have run off from the family after that. I mean, definitely don't show your face. You're you're a horrifying human being at that point. Right. But um, why, I'm not. I mean, the, I think why he shows up to shoot Cheche is kind of an interesting puzzle of the play. I mean, uh, not why not he shows up to shoot Cheche. Cheche shows up to shoot the Lecter, and they they do butt heads a few times in the play, especially when Cheche brings in the machine, but. It's not like it doesn't feel to me like Cheche has a huge beef with the Lecter, other than this thing about his wife running off with the Lecter. Right, right, and I think it is it is kind of tied into um, how how un unconnected uh, he is by the end of it, and and I think that moment with the machine is actually a fairly pivotal moment with the machine because it's not just that Juan Julian speaks against his desire to bring the machine into him into the into the space, and he's out out of what he sees as like this this correct desire to help it uh, uh, push push production up, but Juan Julian brings in the worldview that the whole family chooses over Cheche's worldview. Um, and, and he's, uh, and he's, he's already this, this, as, as, as we mentioned, the stranger who has come to town to some extent, he's on the outside a little bit and he's trying to bring this new thing that he's, that he's discovered to try to help everything out. And he's just one by one, each of the family members turns away from him towards Juan Julian. He sees someone who's from the outside, like he is, who's not even a member of this family, but who represents this worldview that he can't uh, attack. And again, this the one this this avatar of a different world that he doesn't want to belong to, and and he he localizes his anger and angst about that on him. Well, and really from the very beginning of the script, Cheche has made clear what he feels about lectors and love stories and how they sort of sweep people up. And that there's gossip about Cheche when he's not on stage about how he thinks that his wife was swept up and away from him in the love story. And that's why she left him with the lector. So it, it, I think this is where the Conchita Palomo story kind of ties into what Cheche does and why. There's a really crucial scene, I think, where they're setting up for the party and it's Palomo and Cheche. So Palomo, the husband whose wife is cheating on him with the lector, and Cheche, whose wife left him for a lector and now is hearing the story of how Conchita, Palomo's wife, is having an affair with the lector. And into right. that scene where they're setting up, in one of the more dramatic, high-tension scenes of the play, walks uh, Juan Julian. Yeah. And they have a, a really, really well-written, really yeah. uh, great conversation about the novel. <laughs> but the yeah. novel, of course, is about adultery. And so they're really talking about the fact that Juan Julian is sleeping with Paloma's wife and everybody knows. And yeah. what does Cheche say in that conversation? He says, if I were the husband, I would kill the lover. Right. And both Juan Julian and Paloma are like, really? <laughs> what, I, what? I, don't, I don't know about that, man. That seems a little... And Cheche insists over and over. No, the husband is a coward for not killing the lover. I'd kill that guy in cold blood. And yep. so when you have that scene... <laughs> 
Right. Well, there's all the foreshadowing, right? There's that that scene as the brilliant foreshadowing. There's, of course, the well-known theater trope of a gun being fired or a gun being present. A gun is fired three times prior to the time when Cheche uses it to kill Juan Julian. So it's uh, it's 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 all the foreshadowing. You, you sense it coming uh, th- through through the play. I'm, I, I guess I'm still surprised that Palomo isn't the one who uh, who like is that aggressive and yet he is this kind of broken character halfway through the play um he, he kind of sees sees the i don't know if he like fully learns a lesson or something but he sees the the pain that he caused to conchita he, feel, he doesn't just see it he feels it in her cheating on him as well well that Palomo is a bizarre dude uh, yeah. I, I mean <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't want to tell Conchita anything about his affairs, but and and I don't know if it's not like he quite gives her permission to have an affair. I don't think, or at least that doesn't happen yeah, on stage. No. But he certainly knows about it, and not just in like a I've hired a private detective to follow you around. I know about your affair. <laughs> like she tells they him about, about stories <laughs> about the affair, like right, where they're right. meeting and what the sex is like, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So he knows about it. And again, I'm not I'm not quite sure he's like consented to her having an affair or anything, but it, it's happening and they both know each other knows and they talk about the affair quite a bit. And one of the things that ends up developing is, is there like Conchita and Palomo will like have like sort of a role playing sexual encounter where they replay the night of the affair playing right. the roles uh, and that, of course it's all off stage sex but it's very strongly implied um, and then of course Conchita says like she kind of accuses him of being interested in men again of course it's 1930 because of how much detail he wants about the sexual yeah. encounter she's having with the lector so there's some weird stuff going on there. And it's and it's all just kind of referred to. We don't we don't necessarily dig deep into that part of it which is which is uh, uh just kind of an interesting interesting choice to kind of leave that part to our imaginations cuz whatever we're imagining is, you know, <laughs> who knows if it's actually happening or not. And then you 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 allow it to just push the drama of the play forward, push the conflict of the play forward. And and cuz cuz it like when you originally asked the question of of who I would think of as the protagonist of this play, my my like gut says Conchita cuz somehow she is like she is a, a a huge part of of pushing a lot of this play forward a lot of the the drama of the play is centered on her she's the one who loses probably the most um by the end well but, but then again you know uh, conchita or morela yeah even cheche loses a lot i mean it's his own fault but it's true yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so so i think i think there is something really central really high gravity about their storyline that really really pulls a lot of this this play along with it. Well, and something about their storyline is resolved in the final moments of the play. And it, and it's something that's a little ungraspable to me. I, I I haven't quite put my nose on how I would articulate it, but there is something happening with the fact that Palomo 
sort of becomes the new lector. Now, I don't know that that's yeah. going to be like a job he's going to hold, but he volunteers to read more of Anna Karenina. Now, and of course, this is the scene after Juan has been shot, the gasp, the terribleness. Um, and the next scene begins with this sort of extended silence while the family rolls their cigars. Of course, that's heartbreaking after all the incredible stories and, and life that this family has had through the course of the play. And what evolves is that the character's like, it's too quiet without our lector. We need, will somebody read a story? And Palomo volunteers to do that. Palomo, who earlier in the play, when there was a vote being taken by the lector, voted to oust the lector, now for personal reasons probably, rather than anything else, but, and whose wife was having an affair with the lector, he takes on this new role of reading Anna Karenina out loud. And it it comes after, like we've described, these sort of bizarre scenes where he sort of role plays as the lector in and having sex with his wife. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how to articulate what, what comes into focus there as he yeah. reads the story, but something definitely does. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree. Um, like I've I've combed over that that scene a couple times, and what you know, what I'm looking for are like lines from Conchita to kind of fill in the fill in what exactly is happening that moment. Because I agree that it's a move for Palomo to move into that role to take on that which he um, either hated or had this this kind of weird lust for. Um, uh, but but whatever whatever it is. He moves into that space, and I and I'm not not yeah I'm not sure whether it's whether it's a, a rekindling of a relationship or just an owning of a moment or or how it all plays out. Well, and it it, it has to be so important because Conchita and Plomo's plot has been resolved by someone else. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like she yeah. decided to stop having an affair or he confronted her and is not going to let her have an affair anymore by by force or, or you know, it, it's not based on either of those characters' decisions. Juan Julian is shot by a different character entirely in a move that is only tangentially related to their affair. But that, so it, it's very unsatisfying for their story to be ended by someone else's decision. So their story has to have this next step, some sort of resolution that comes from them. And Palomo becoming the new lector, even in a temporary way, clearly is that step. And let me read you what he reads from Anna Karenina as these are the final lines of the play. He has taken over. They've decided to continue to read Anna Karenina, even though it's not a happy story and they're all sad. But stories should be finished is what they say, which is a great line. Stories should be finished or they suffer the same fate as those who die before their time. Great line. So Palomo picks up Anna Karenina. This is what he reads to end the play. By the time he arrived in Petersburg, Anna Karenina's husband was not only completely determined to carry out his decision, but he had composed in his head a letter he would write to his wife. In his letter, he was going to write everything he'd been meaning to tell her. Lights fade, end of play. So that, you know, in this is that's that moment where both the layering of what's happening in the novel affecting the characters directly intersects with just Nilo Cruz layering parts of the novel on top of the action on stage. Right. In this moment, those two things intersect really poignantly, but I I don't know exactly what it's pointing to yet. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an open, a a bit of an open door. It it allows, allows some decision to be made. You know, 
an, an accessible choice at the end there is that he's going to try to ta- say more things to Conchita and and just be a better like be able to say the things that he's meant to be he, he wishes he'd been saying all along. We don't know what a response will be, but that's an option. And but it's so- a, it's a good option too because part of the problem in their marriage is like he's non-communicative. That's sort yeah. of established from the beginning of the play. So yes. Yeah. So so it is it is kind of a neat moment of freedom in in at at the end of the play to, for for the production team and all of these actors, right? There's like six people on stage right now evoking a, a whole tragic uh line of events to decide what our last image is of this family. What 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 uh it's 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 a little bit of a, a blank piece of paper to allow the cast to say, "We'll we'll tell this final beat visually." as the lights fade on us after this last line is said, where are these people in the end? What is it going to look like for them moving forward? It's, it's, it's an open door for that. And it's an open door and it's a closed door, right? Because of that <laughs> note included by Nilo Cruz at the beginning, which again, I think is it's right. important for the audience to know in order to experience the play, right? What happens to cigar, you know, uh, home, handcrafted cigars and cigar factories in the immediately following years of the depression and the war and mechanization, this factory's fate is sealed at the end of the play uh, just by virtue of time because we live, you know, almost 100 years later. We know what happens to factories like that. And so it is this, again, sort of juxtaposition, just like the juxtaposition of Petersburg with Tampa, Florida, St. Petersburg, Russia with Tampa, Florida, there's this juxtaposition at the end of sort of the openness and mystery of what's going to happen to this family with the closed door deterministic future that we know eventually this factory becomes has to become a mechanized factory or shut down, that there will be no more electors. In fact, in, in one of his writing, an essay that Nilo Cruz wrote about the play, he said he, he wanted to sort of write a play about what might be the last lector in Florida. Um, now, whether I don't know whether he specifically means Juan Julian or if he's being clever and referring to Palomo, but uh, you know the end of an era. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and it's cert- certainly no accident that they're reading Tolstoy for this, and n- nothing about the choice of of reading Anna Karenina is is an accident. It's it works really well for the for the plot and also for the this broader movement that we're talking about that they're reading this kind of you know at least at least a neighborhood communist book um, as as mechanism and as 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 more industry is moving into uh, American manufacturing. So it's 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 a beautiful choice, beautifully interwoven both through plot and through meta meta story that we all know uh, sitting where we are as as you said a hundred years or, or almost uh, wow almost a hundred years almost after hundred years later isn't that <laughs> nuts? look Anna in the Tropics is an incredible play is yeah um, absolutely I, I actually tell people who ask me for like my top ten plays it's always in there uh, I just think it's a brilliant brilliant play uh, and. Neil Cruz, I think, is brilliant. You should read some of his other stuff, uh, you out there in podcast land, if you like this one. And I'm sure that we will at some point, too. He, he's he got yeah. just a great poetic ear, the sort of image-based, beautiful, both language and visual poetry that he's so effective at doing with really graspable characters and plot to go with it. I think some playwrights hardcore go one way or the other, and Neil <laughs> Cruz balances both so well, so masterfully. Uh- 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a great play to read. And as as you are all out there, either reading it or if you've seen it before, or if you're uh, you know acting in it coming up soon, we'd love to be talking about this play with you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Gmail. All the social media sites are at NoScript Podcast. The Gmail is NoScript Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on any of those sites. We'd love to keep talking about this play with you. As you mentioned, as we mentioned, there's so much more to talk about. There's always so much more to talk about. We could have done you know a whole podcast on just one of the different relationships in this in this play. So we'd love to keep talking about this with you. Hit us up on any of those social media sites. Let's keep talking. Absolutely. And we would love for you to recommend this podcast to families and friends. Anybody you know that likes scripts, you probably know some folks, so send them our way. They can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or where we are hosted on Podbean. If you connect with us on Facebook, you can also just get a little... Uh, you know, we, we post the advertisements and the link to the episode itself on Facebook and new episodes are out every Monday. Yeah. So until next week, when we're talking about another of theater's best scripts, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks so much for joining us for No Script, the podcast. We'll see you.